You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Hi, Lord Jesus. Um, we thank you for today. Thank you that you've given us life. And this is a uh, terribly difficult topic. And so I pray that you would bless this class. pray that it would be hopeful and helpful. Um, and that it would uh, enlighten us to the love of Christ. I see prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're doing a uh, series about tough questions. And basically over the course of the year, different people have um, different people have said, like, my kid asked this question, what do I say? Or my child is addressing this issue, what do I say? So we're just we're doing four classes that address these difficult questions. And, um, you know, this is interesting. I, I, I'd be kind of interested, like, you can give me the, the head nods. We found in confirmation last week is the dean's class, where the kids who are in sixth grade confirmation, they go to the the big class, and they have all these questions they ask uh, Andrew. And usually at least um, a third of the questions have to do with the afterlife, whether it's like heaven or hell or salvation, things along those lines, at least. Whenever we do any kind of Q&A, kids ask questions about that. And, and we've heard from parents that their kids are very often asking questions about this kind of stuff. So last week we did uh, heaven, and you know, it's funny, it's not exactly easy to find a volunteer to teach this class. So yours truly gets to take it on. Um, so I, I'm just going to tell you, uh, when you deal with something that's controversial, uh, you're best served just to like tell people what the Bible says. And so that's what I'm going to try to do. Um, uh, so why is this topic so hard? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about the environment that most of you all grew up in, but for a lot of people, you know, the approach to introducing people to Christianity was to literally try to scare the hell out of them. Read the Bible. It'll scare the hell out of you. <laughs> um, anyhow, uh, and so there are a lot of people who've really been spiritually abused um, by people who may have had good intentions but were very misguided uh, in the way they talked about Christianity. For example, whoever in the world owns this billboard on Highway 65, go to church or the devil will get you! Just, wow. Yeah, apparently it's going back up. That's right. By the way, has there ever been a, a greater misrepresentation of Christianity than this billboard? Besides Roy Moore. Sorry, I said that. Um, uh, second reason it's hard is it's personal. You know, we're not we're not talking in theory. You know, we're talking about people. You know, we're talking about Uncle Rusty or uh, our best friend or whatever. So when we're talking about you know, the afterlife and things of eternal consequence is personal. And then two, and I'm gonna get I'm gonna talk about this quite a bit, uh, and sorry this might bristle a little bit, but for white suburban people, uh, which most of us are in this room, um, this is not something that like hell's not something that's terribly attractive as compared to what if you're a person who's a victim of injustice. You know, if you're if you're a slave in the American South 150 years ago, if uh, if you're a person in North Korea right now, um, then when you read what the Bible has to say about hell, it's like something, it's incredibly hopeful to you. 
Um, but if you're a person and injustice has not been just like a normal systematic part of your life, it's not terribly attractive. And so since that's that's you know our predominant situation, it's uh, it's not terribly popular. And then two, you know, the culture r- really bristles at this topic. Um, this is Jared C. Wilson wrote the Apostates Creed. And uh, at the end here, he says, I believe in sending good thoughts, the holy Catholic plurals, and the communion of mankind, the re- redefinition of sins, the supremacy of the body, and that everybody everybody makes it except Hitler and Donald Trump. Um, he, basically, kind of like, well, I believe in hell for Hitler, but no, anyone, no one else. So just to say it's not, I mean, like, if you were to kind of say, if you're a kid and say in a college classroom that you actually believe that there's a hell, you're not you're not going to be, like, patted on the back and kissed on the cheek. Like, it's... You're gonna, it's, it's very unpopular. So, anyhow, we're going to talk about the basics on hell. And I, I, by the way, I do want to say, like, this is not something we're teaching. We're not talking about a ton with your children. Like, your kids are not getting a healthy dose. Uh, yeah, I mean, if kids ask questions, we'll answer them. But, um, uh, I think, yeah, we, this, I just wanted you to know that, like, we're not trying to scare your children into Christianity. So, I just want to say that. Um, okay, so first thing is... I want to take a minute just to look at some of the things that Jesus said about hell. And one thing we'll find is that in terms of what you call a biblical theology of hell, um, which, you know, basically what I mean by that is like you take everything the Bible says and you try to build a theology on that. A large part of it is built off of what Jesus said. I know that's, that sometimes can be surprising for people because we kind of conceive of Jesus as um, sweet, sweet Jesus holding the children in his lap. And that is that is Jesus that's the true picture of Jesus. And, you know, Jesus talked about this a lot. This is primary um, primary to why Jesus came, was to uh, solve the problem of hell. So it makes sense that he would talk about it. So just some quotes from, from Christ himself. Uh, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Uh, Matthew 9.43, if your hand calls you to sin, cut it off. It, it is better for you to enter maimed than with two hands to go into hell where the fire never goes out. Um, hey, what's up, Matt? Um, uh, next, um, by the way, you just walked into a class on hell, so welcome. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, Matthew 11. Uh, but I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, you will be exalted to heaven. You will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you uh, had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. So, you know, what we can see here, uh, sorry, I'll read one more and then we'll just talk a little bit about these quotes. Um, so this is Matthew 13. Jesus says, he answered, the one who, who sows the good seed is the son of man, the field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. Um, the Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. So basically we can see very clearly like Jesus believed in hell. Uh, he believed it was a real thing. Uh, he believed it was eternal. He believed it was awful. Really, really bad. Um, and so, um, so like I said, uh, in terms of 
detail on the afterlife, uh, a lot of what uh, biblical theology on hell is, is driven by things that Jesus says in the Gospels. Um, I'm going to, I think we've, we've covered Jesus on hell pretty well. Um, so basically, like, what does the Bible say about hell? Um, hell, by definition, is the total absence of God and his blessings. Uh, so, you know, really, one thing, too, is when we think about anything in Christianity, anything doctrinal, we generally always want to think about it in relational terms. Um, that's, the, that's just kind of the nature of Christianity. God himself is a triune God. He's inherently relational. Um, you know, our, our um, salvation is with him is defined in relational terms. And so if we think about hell um, in an impersonal, non-relational way, uh, then it's hard for us to kind of get get a true sense of like a biblical theology of hell. And so, you know, a way to think about hell is being completely separated from God and his blessings forever. Um, so basically, if a person um, does not live in relationship with God on this life, then their afterlife would be a continuation of that. But one difference would be when a person is on earth, everyone has the benefit of what you call common grace. Everyone has the benefit of enjoying blessings that come from God, whether that's family, friends, vacations, food, good times. That's something that God gives to everyone, regardless of whether they're in a relationship or not. And so hell would be that, all of that stripped away, and uh, complete isolation from God. Um, we know that it's really awful. Um, you know, in, in terms of like Revelation and Jesus when they talk about hell, uh, this use of the, ter- you know, of the image of fire, you know, we don't know if that's like a physical, if that's just a symbol or if that's like a physical representation, but it, it's meant to just communicate that it is a, a terrible existence. Um, it does say that it's eternal. Um, it's also conscious. Uh, it's not like you just cease to exist. It seems like it's a conscious existence. Um, it's both physical and spiritual. Um, uh, and then it's uh, it's sorry it's reserved only for those who have not reconciled with God on God's terms through Christ. And then finally, it's part of a greater category of judgment. Here's the reason I say that. There, um, as in, did anyone ever read the book Love? Uh, sorry, Love, not Love is real. Love Wins. Sorry, Love Wins by Rob Bell. It was very controversial about ten years ago. It's a terrible book. Um, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I, you know, like uh, it's just. It's from a scholastic standpoint, and I'm not, I'm not some like biblical scholar. I'm like limping my way through an MDiv right now. Um, but just from an academic standpoint, it is, it is like a, it is academically pitiful. Um, and he tries to basically say that hell is not really in the Bible. Uh, he kind of tries to minimize it because he just looks at the use of the word hell. Uh, that's okay. Hell in scripture. And hell is just a component of a greater category of eternal judgment. And so, um, you see a lot in the Bible about judgment, um, Old Testament and New Testament. Uh, and, and, and hell would just be like the location of that. So anyhow, just in case there were any people who'd read that book, um, it has one, it has one good paragraph, one good paragraph. And I actually will allude to it. Um, okay. So common objections. Um, so. Uh, one would be, I don't believe that there is a hell at all. Another would be, I can't believe a loving God would send people to hell. And another would be, good people don't go to hell regardless of their beliefs. Okay, I've got good news for you. If this is how you feel, um, you and God are basically on the same page. 
What I mean by that is like God does not want anybody to go to hell. That's not God's desire. Um, it says in Second Peter three eight through nine, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. A, a reasonable question that people ask is, man, okay, if God has the power to make everything right in this world, why doesn't He just do it? You know, like why doesn't He snap His finger and get rid of all the bad things? Um, and the reason for God's slowness in redeeming the whole world is God's desire is to give everyone the opportunity to be to reconcile with Him. Uh, and so it is, um, as it says here. God does not desire that anyone should perish. By perish, that means experience, you know, eternal judgment. And so, um, and so, with that being said, if you know, if you struggle with that, if you struggle with like, I don't want to think that um, a person uh, that a person would go there or whatnot. I would say that's a that's a godly impulse in the sense that neither does God. Like God doesn't want that. Um, but the one good paragraph of Rob Bell's book is he makes the point that um, he makes the point that God is not going to force a person into a relationship. You know, it's kind of like uh, in dating. <laughs> if you were to like force a person to date you at gunpoint, you know. God has made us um, as beings with a will. Now, granted, our will is flawed um, because of sin, but we do have a will, and um, and and so as a result of that, um, you know, God wants to have a real, loving relationship with people, and that's not predicated on uh, just forcing a person into a relationship with Him. God's not going to force a person into heaven, in other words. Um, so He, so anyhow, so just a thought there. Okay, so. This is an important thing here. I think if there's maybe, this is probably the most important thing of the whole lesson. Um, so I'll listen up to this. One thing to understand about salvation in Christianity is that it is totally different than salvation in other world religions. It's totally different than kind of what our natural impulse is. Um, uh, salvation in Christianity has nothing to do with morality. Salvation in Christianity has nothing to do with morality. Okay, so this is Revelation 20, uh, uh, and this is one of the like classic, um, you know, final judgment, hardcore <laughs> passages. And what you're going to see here is that there is there is a dividing. Like there is a, um, you know, there are those who end up in hell, and there are those who end up in heaven. <laughs> and what you see here is that the way that those two are divided, there are two books. It talks about, for those who end up on the judgment side, the book is the book of deeds, and then those on the salvation side, the book is the book of life. So I'm going to read this, and you'll kind of notice that, um, that well, I'm just going to read it. Okay. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it from his presence earth and the sky fled away and no place was found for them. I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. 
and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in death, uh, who were in it, death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire, and if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So here's the deal. Does anybody know what's in the book of life? The only thing that's in the book of life is names. So the book of life is reserved for, for those who um, are who uh, have are granted salvation. So basically, here's the deal. What, what you see in the Bible is that... Um, Salvation comes by reconciliation. Salvation comes by forgiveness, grace, and mercy in Christianity. Um, and so basically, um, the way out of hell, the way to eternal hope in heaven, is 100% through, it's, it's actually very easy. Uh, it's very easy in principle, in the sense of it simply involves uh, coming to God through Christ and asking for forgiveness. Um, asking for forgiveness, expressing a desire to be in relationship with God, and a desire to be with in relationship with Him now and forever. Uh, and so, with that being said, everything that you, every sin that a person commits at that point is completely divorced for them forever. So that's why there are only names in the Book of Life, uh, because we are no longer associated with our deeds. Um, we are. All of our sin, anything that could cause us to be judged, anything that could cause us to be separated from God, is assigned to Jesus on the cross. Like Jesus absorbs that. It's like a it's like a transaction where our um, our sins go into Jesus' account and His righteousness goes into our account. And so, consequently, we are no longer related to or judged by God according to what we've done, either good or bad, but particularly. What we've done bad. There's there's reward for what we've done that's good. We see that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We see that in the Gospels too. But in terms of our sin, that is no longer associated with us. So when we talk about judgment, um, that you know that would basically a way to conceive of that is that if a person wants to relate to God based on their moral uh, their moral competence or their moral performance. It's a, it's a failing recipe before like a holy and perfect God. And so that's why when it talks about the book of, the book of deeds that says they were judged according to what they had done, um, uh, it's a, it's a different way of relating to God. It's a, it's a, salvation in moral terms is rejected by, by God and by Christianity. Salvation purely by God's grace and mercy is the resounding, consistent, um, uh, mode of salvation in the Bible. And so, anybody have any questions about that? Is that clear? Stephen, was that clear? Very clear. That's clear. Okay, good. All right, so that's all to say. Uh, um, uh, sorry. I know Stephen would tell me the truth. Oh. I was wondering if it was just because I'm sick, man. Good gravy. I feel like it. Uh, I mean, I'm taking off my coat, man. It is burning in here. You know those built, you know, I, I thought about putting those built, you know those awful billboards that say, you think it's hot? You think it's hot down here? Yeah. You know? 
again, scaring the hell out of people, literally. Um, I don't know. Uh, anyhow. Wasn't that more the Puritan way, though, was to, was to be the fire and brimstone? Oh, it's all good. You know, over all the years? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say the Puritan way. Um, if you read Puritan literature, you see there's a really healthy theology of... Um, a really healthy theology of grace in Puritanism. I think a lot of it's so funny because people th- probably think that because of Jonathan Edwards' uh, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Uh, Jonathan Edwards, I mean, that's funny. that That's like, of, he's a prolific uh, Puritan theologian. Um, and people just have read that. But, I mean, he's, he wrote volumes. I mean, if you were to take all the things he wrote, it'd be this high. And he's like one of the most beautiful, gracious, uh, um, grace-filled theologians you'll ever find. Um, so no, I, I mean I can see how you would say that they were they the Puritans did have a very high theology of the afterlife, a high heavenly mindedness, um, and yeah you do see some of that, but um, but no I would I wouldn't say they were one sidedly that way. Um, yep. Yes, we're getting to that. Yeah, yeah. Keep on. Yeah. Great question. Why don't we just uh, skip over to that slide? How to talk to your child about hell? Yeah, my strategy in this was to give you some basic like concepts or fundamentals, and then to get to what your child's going to ask. Okay. So the first thing I would say about this is I think a lot of the reason uh, where people get in trouble here is they take the place of God. Um, only God um, is uh, entitled to make judgments about who's in or who's out. So if a person's like you know, what about Uncle Uncle Rusty? You know, we can say, you know, we don't, we literally and truly, this is not a cop-out answer, this is true, we don't know what's in Uncle Rusty's heart, you know? For all we know, in Uncle Rusty's heart and his mind, um, Uncle Rusty has reconciled with God, but he just doesn't outwardly show that. Um, and so, I'd say one thing is to have a very high tolerance for uncertainty, and when questions are asked about this, you just feel very comfortable to say, we just don't know. A lot of times people will say, what about um, people in the jungle who've never had an opportunity uh, to hear about um, God's grace and reconciliation with God? We don't know. We don't know. But here's the thing we do know. And this is what we say to kids over and over again. What we do know is that if you're concerned about it, let me tell you, God is like a thousand times more concerned about it than you are. Um and so we can we can trust him with the answer to that question, because um, really I think really the, the you know there's always the question below the question. The question there is God good and is God God just? That's really what a child wants to know. Is God good, just, and fair when they're asking about the person in the jungle? Um, and so um, and so that's where I would that's where I would say we don't know, but we do know that God is good, and we do know that God is. If you're concerned about it. Uh, in your, you know, in your humanity, know that God is like a million times more concerned about it, and because we know that God is so loving and kind. Um, about, uh, you know, infants. Yes, we believe infants go to heaven. We see that in the Bible. We see that in, um, we see that in Second uh, Samuel when uh, David's uh, baby, uh, David has a baby who dies seven days into life, and um, he is asked. He kind of stops. He He's asked about it, and he says, um, he cannot come to me, but I will go to him. And so, yes, um, we do believe that miscarried children or stillborn children or children who die 
at a young age, we do believe that they go to heaven um, without equivocation. Um, so I think I covered all that in that one answer. Yeah, here's another thing. Has anyone had a, uh, well, you don't have to answer this question, but there are sometimes children who really worry about hell. Like, am I going to hell? And, um, and you know, one thing to say, I'd say, is like, it's, it's really, heaven is actually very easy. Like, it's as simple as asking God for forgiveness of all my sins and expressing a desire to be in relationship with him now and forever. And like, once you've done that, like, you are secure. Like, you are secure forever. Um, and so sometimes, and this can be true of like, preteens or uh, early adolescents, they, you know, they might kind of worry about like, am I really saved? Am I really going to heaven? And like, one thing that you can say to a child is like, if it's something that you're concerned about, that's a sign that you actually do have assurance of salvation. Because if you, you wouldn't be worried about it if, 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 if your salvation wasn't real, if that makes sense. The fact that you see that as a real thing and that you want to be with God is an evidence of the fact that, in fact, like, you're a person who is saved for eternity. That make, does that make sense? Um, yes? There's nothing in the Bible that suggests that. We, the only evidence we, the, yeah, no, I totally know what you're saying. Like, the question is kind of like, uh, is there a second chance after death? All, um, all suggestion, like, it, there is direct biblical statement that it does have to be made on earth. Yeah. Um, and, um, there is no evidence of, like, second chance. Sometimes people will interpret, um, 1 Peter. I can't forget, remember the, the verse, but I have an exam on it on Tuesday, so I better learn it quick. Um, uh, where it talks about, it sounds, it has been suggested, it sounds like Jesus descends into hell to preach to the souls, and that's generally a misinterpretation. Like people, there's a, suge- a suggestion that Jesus, um, when he died, went, descended into hell to proclaim the gospel to people, and that's not, that's not really an accurate um, well, interpretation. I guess Oh, I don't have enough time to get into that. Okay. But I can tell you a place it didn't come from, and that's the Bible. Yeah. I'm just curious. Yeah. Yeah, it comes out of medieval scholasticism, and it's um, no, it's not. It's not legit. Sorry. Sorry if anybody if anybody's Catholic. Um, okay. Um, why is it important? Like, why is this an important topic? Again, you know, I think um, I think people are more. Uh, are better wooed into relationship with God and wooed into devotion to God through the message of God's love. But it is, you know, a doctrine that we shouldn't totally discount um, and overlook. Part of it is not to grow complacent about prayer and evangelism. Um, we do want people to know that... Um, here, here's one thing I would say, is that, like, uh, this is particularly true in, like, Islam um, or in Buddhism or Hinduism, um, is that there's no assurance of salvation. If, you're, if, if your system for salvation is based on your moral performance or your religious performance, you, don't, you never know whether you're, you did enough. You never know if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. Um, and if you talk to people who have spent a lot of time in the Middle East and have had a lot of experience listening to Muslims, you'll see there is a tremendous amount of anxiety 
um, for Muslims when when you, when co- topic when conversations about the afterlife come up because um, excuse me because the formula in Islam is if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds then you're in but if you've done just one more bad deed than good deed you are you are banished to hell forever in Islam whereas in Christianity it's like if you know if you have asked God to forgive your sins like you know that you are uh, assured and sealed eternity with God, um, and that like concern of hell is is not relevant to you. And so, with that being said, um, yeah, we want that. That's a, that's a very hopeful thing for people. It's comforting. Um, second thing, um, to ignore it undermines the full price that Jesus paid and diminishes the depth of God's love. Like when Jesus died on the cross, when He cries out. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We believe that what is going on there is that Jesus himself experiences eternal judgment. He experiences the fullness of eternity in hell in his judgment on the cross. And so that's the, that's the whole, that's how this, that's how the ease of salvation for us is afforded is because Jesus in that moment experiences what we would deserve for our sin. Um, so, so that we don't have to. He's a substitute. He stands in our place. And so, um, so with that being said, like if we totally ignore it, um, it can undermine, um, it can undermine just like how costly Jesus' death on the cross was and just how deep his love for us as expressed through that event. Um, and then final, and finally, and then we can have more questions. Yes, we have time for questions. Hallelujah. This is a first for Cameron Cole. Um, we must honor, honor justice and hope for the oppressed. Um, you know, if you read, um, if you read like the songs of slaves from the American South, there's a ton of talk about eternal justice because for those people, there was no hope of justice on this earth, no hope of justice. And so for them, you know, the thing that one of the things that held them together was the hope of heaven for them and the assurance that like things that are inhumane and that are wicked, like they will be accounted for. Um, and so, um, you know, this is, uh, this is a picture of some, uh, people in North Korea. Um, you know, if you are found to be a Christian in North Korea, you're going to get killed. <laughs> you're going to a concentration camp and it's not unlikely that your whole family will end up there too. It's awful. Um, and so, uh, and so, you know, again, people who are under the tyranny of just wicked governments, um, and that, you know, the, the, perse- the oppression of people in North Korea is not, not limited to Christians, it's everyone. Um, and so, you know, that there is, you know, eternal justice is a hopeful thing for a person who has no hope of justice on this earth. You know, this is a picture of the 16th Street Baptist Church. It's so sad. It always gets me. These are some of the parents of one of the children who died. This is just, you know, right down the street. You know, think about, you were like thousands of people in the American South who were lynched and no one was ever brought to justice. No one was ever held accountable for that. And just imagine, you know, uh, there's a story of a, of a, a preacher named um, Dan Allender. He's a real great grace preacher. And he went to preach at an African-American church and he, you know, did his normal thing and he asked the pastors, like, hey, well, how'd I do? And they said, you, you know, you did fine. Like, you kind of did what we expected you to do. He's like, what do you mean? So you preached grace. He's like, Yeah. He said, well, you know, for white people to believe, you know, to believe that God is good, they need to hear about grace. 
and they weren't they weren't saying this in like a they weren't saying this in a, in a like bad way. It says, but for African American people, like we also we need to hear that God's just too. For us to trust Him and to believe that He's good and hand our life over to Him, we need to hear that He's gracious, but we really need to hear that He's just. And so, um, and so, you know, this is for people who where there's no hope of justice on this earth. Um, this is, you know, this is actually a hopeful thing for them. As hard as as kind of hard as that may be for us to conceive. So, um, I think that's all I have. Questions. Questions, particularly as it pertains to like talking about this to your kid. So, and, and you, you use red as far as like a color to to bring out the red emotion. Um, Andy, that's 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 a little presumptuous. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, I think. It's for yeah. yeah. I think, so I think about kids, and you know, if we're, if we're talking about hell and fire, it's almost easier for them for me to explain to them what bad can happen as opposed to how great heaven is. Yeah. And so, I mean, you think about is this being just another, you know, way of getting your son to you know, have that relationship with God. You think about the great Saint Nick Saban who talks about when to give, you know, sugar and when to give spice. Yeah, right. Like some kids are going yeah, to want to, you know, get more of the, the spice in order to get them, whereas some kids, you know, are going to want to know more the heaven story. Yeah. Um, so here's one thing I would say on that is that is if you read through the Bible, you see a balance. You see a very you see a balance of like um, communication of like God's love and mercy, and you see um, like in Revelation you see a lot of content about heaven and the new heavens and the new earth and like the glories of that, and you see you see a you know a fair amount of content too on that. So I, I don't. I don't think we should necessarily feel some pressure or responsibility to determine like what percentage does my child need? Does my child need 70% hell and 30% heaven? Or <laughs> I, I I mean I think that um um I I did I think that the way that human beings tend to interpret things there can be a real danger of manipulation by fear when we put a tremendous amount of emphasis on hell over heaven and God's grace. And so does it have a place? Sure, it has a place um, in terms of my like communication on this topic with my my own children or with the kids in our church. It's probably 90% um, on the positive side. Uh, probably on the positive side. But I will say, like when we read through the Bible, I mean, we, we studied Isaiah this year in um, senior high, and Isaiah has a lot of after a lot of eschatological language, which is stuff about the afterlife. And I mean, we don't dodge it; we talk about it. So, anyhow, uh, but we don't try to scare the H-E double hockey sticks out of people. Yes, yeah, Stephen. Sometimes like when you're talking about hell with your kids, that it, that it might be, or I'm thinking it might be better to focus on things that we know, like yeah, we know that you won't, you know, you won't be in God's presence. Yeah, you'll be alone. Yeah. You'll have fear. Yeah. Um, and, and as opposed to focusing on like, I mean, all I remember when I was thinking about hell is like, you're gonna get literally thrown in a fire, <laughs> which, like, which was like really unbelievable, and it still is to me. Like, the, like the thought that like we're all gonna be like living in a physical body. Yeah. With flames coming out of us. Um, maybe we will, 
but it, and, I, and I get where that comes from in the, in sure. the Bible, but it just seems... Yeah, well, you got to understand, too, that um, apocalyptic literature, which anything like the book of Revelation is, which is, by genre is apocalyptic, it speaks almost entirely in symbols. And so you're right, the, getting into the nuances of things that may or may not be symbolic, we know it's really, really bad. We know it's something that no one ever wants to experience. We know it's worse than your worst day forever. We know that. But you're right. I mean, hanging our hat on speculative details is probably not essential. Good word. Yes? What helps me so much is in Revelation where it says that in heaven, you know, that God will wipe away every tear. And I think of myself just as a big kid. And so I think, like, you can really highlight that and speak to a child through that. You know, when a child is really, like, scared or Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. Uh, shameless plug: the Rooted Conference this year in Nashville, October four through six. The the topic is heaven. The whole thing is on heaven. Pretty cool. Um, any other? Yes. And you've already said this today, but I think that it's important to emphasize that we just need to help our kids really understand the character of God and yeah. who He is and trust Him. That's right. Because we're going to have unanswered questions, unanswerable questions. And, and our culture, new atheists and everybody working so hard to undermine that very thing, trusting the character of who God is. Yeah. Knowing His love and His justice and His mercy and everything, and, and, and trusting that, and it will all work out as it should. That's exactly right. Both in his holiness and his justice and in his grace and his mercy. Which, yeah, right on. That's well said, David. All right. Um, I guess we'll uh, land the plane here. Call time of death. Maybe a bad joke at the end of this topic. Um, so, I just thanks, thanks for coming to this. And I know this is a very hard, very sensitive topic. So, um, if you have any questions or if I haven't been properly sensitive, please, please come talk to me. Um, I'll pray for us. Father, um, the old Lord Christ, we thank you for um, that you're willing to taste the separation of the Father, um, separation of the Father on our behalf. And we thank you, Lord, that you've made um, such a clear way um, to um, out of judgment and into uh, your favor um, and into your love. And so, uh, God, you know, gosh, the questions we get from our children are so difficult. And so grant us wisdom, Lord, and also grant us humility to just to just be honest when we don't know the answer. And so um, love you and we trust you. Yes, your prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.